you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal in the Katie Copied Off in Math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, and you can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. I also want to shout out the Peacock and Williamson podcast. They're doing a great job over there covering everything from the national angle. A lot of Colts talk, bringing you all the Aaron Rodgers stuff. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson doing an awesome job over there. You can find them anywhere you can find your favorite podcasts and today is yet another wonderful day in the crazy and silly land of Vikings training camp. One of these days we'll get to talk about football, but I guess well no, we're going to spend most of the the show talking about football because I refuse to give more airtime to this stupid vaccine thing. But we have to give you the update on that and of course there was also a pretty substantial roster move that we'll have to talk about as well. Let's start with the uh Update on vaccines, I guess. So somebody reported, I'll link it in the show notes, I'm so sorry, I'm forgetting who it was off the top of my head, uh, reported that the Vikings at 64.5% fully vaccinated are the lowest vaccinated team in the league. That's the lowest vaccination rate. They have 70% have at least one shot. So a few players are in the middle of it and that'll go up, but uh, that is the lowest rate in the league of fully vaccinated players. Which, considering what the Vikings are going through right now and having to limp through camp with no Kirk Cousins, no Kellen Mond, no Nate Stanley, bringing in Case Cookus and Danny Etling to not really be quarterbacks, but just to be camp arms, considering all that they're going through and the very clear problems that that presents to the Vikings, I you'd be forgiven if you were a little disappointed in our favorite boys at Purple about that, right? Uh, so that is, I guess, part part of the context about this. Of course, Mike Zimmer continues to give scathing quotes. Um, everybody else who is asked just tries not to rock the boat, and it's difficult to kind of find who is or isn't vaccinated. I'm not going to sit here and try to itemize it or try to Nancy Drew my way through, well, you know, we saw this person on a, on a Vikings entertainment thing. They didn't have a mask there, and they didn't have one in their press conference, but I did say hear them say something a little weird and they like to post on Twitter. So maybe I'm not doing any of that. We don't, I don't really need to, to figure out who is or isn't vaccinated. If we find any like true, like intrepid reporting, um, I'll pass that along to you, but I'm not going to try to be a detective about it. Instead, I would like to quickly uh, shift gears to the other news of the day that broke in the middle of training camp and uh, in the middle of practice that the uh, Jeff Gladney, indictment had had a decision has come down and he was indicted uh for a family felony violence charge and the vikings in response to that swiftly released jeff gladney jeff gladney is no longer a minnesota vikings he will a minnesota viking he will hit waivers and that means that another team will have a chance to claim him and that might have some contract implications so it's worth paying attention to though i doubt anybody will touch him he's a little radioactive coming off of an indictment release um but the uh, so the state of Texas has indicted him, and that gives the Vikings likely ample evidence to void Jeff Gladney's guarantees. 
and to ask for signing bonus back. And all in all, they can get something like $7 million back off of that contract, which is likely, uh, that likely explains the timing of this particular move. And if you're wondering why they didn't do it right away, why they waited till this particular step in the judicial process, Jeff Gladney's agent basically accused the Vikings of kind of being disingenuous about it and not giving Gladney the due process that he deserves or whatever, which they're a team they can do what they want, right? But uh, either way, this is a pretty rough piece of news um, that just, I think, comes out now because now they can uh, get rid of Jeff Gladney's contract and not be kind of on the hook for a bunch of dead cap in addition to punting away the 31st overall draft pick, which is obviously this huge whiff that probably goes down in Vikings history as one of the top three or four worst draft pick results ever, right? The guy plays one year with you, gets in trouble, gets off the team. Um, that's a year better than Demetrius Underwood, but even the Matt Khalils and Laquan Treadwells of the world did better than that. Uh, so this is 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 a, a pretty rough thing. Now, the Vikings seemed prepared for this, right? They went out and got a lot of corners. They basically got Bashad Breland, who is able to occupy Jeff Gladney's space in the cornerback room where he can play outside and inside and rotate around with everybody. But of course, Breland, probably a better cornerback than Jeff Gladney would have been anyways. Um, so the, the Vikings were definitely prepared for this, and I don't think this takes anybody by surprise. It's just kind of a bummer of a situation, um, and it, it just sucks to have to have that kind of thing. All of these kinds of things dominate the headlines during what's supposed to be the most exciting part of the year. July, August, this is the time of year I've been calling it Vikings Homer Summer. It's everybody's Homer Summer. Panthers fans are gassing up Sam Darnold. Everybody's talking about how their team is at least going to get nine wins and with some good injury luck, maybe 10 or 11, and, and compete for the division. Or if they're, you know, a, a true Super Bowl contending team, everybody is being boisterous about that. And, and I think that's great. I think that's a beautiful thing in the summer. And yet, when it actually comes time to watch these guys play and, and really make good on that excitement, we don't actually get to talk about the football. So I refuse to comply. I am going, that's it. The, the Jeff Gladney news is uh, is what it is. I'll keep you updated on what happens with the cap there. Of course, you know, they can get a lot of money back. If his guarantees void, they get that money back. They could get him to pay whatever signing bonus back. That'll go to arbitration. Uh, if push comes to shove, sometimes, you know, they will settle it behind closed doors. But if push comes to shove, they go to arbitration. Um, and you know, we'll see if he pays back a portion or if he pays back all of it or none of it or whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll keep you posted. Um, but for now, let's talk about the actual football because I was in the stands watching training camp again and I've got takes and I can't wait to share them with you. But first, I just wanted to let you know about some of the most fun things that you all can gramble on. For example, you can gramble on who the Colts starting quarterback will be in week one. Jacob Eason is minus 125, but Nick Foles plus 300. And there are guys like Brett Hundley, Sam Ellinger, Marcus Mariota plus 600. Decent value there. Phillip Rivers coming out of retirement at plus 1,000. I kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo at plus 1,200. The 49ers are going to go start Trey Lance and then maybe trade Jimmy Garoppolo away in the same way. You know, the Sam Bradford thing happened to the Vikings. I could totally see something like that. You can bet on the Texans starting week quarterback in week one to Sean Watson plus 700 if you think that might happen. Uh, of course, he's been held out of practice now that they put the pads on, so it does seem pretty unlikely. Um, you can bet on the same thing with the Patriots, the Saints, the 49ers, the Bears. Bet online is your one-stop shop for all things Grambling. You can find it 
NFL props like that. You can find week one odds, division finish odds, Super Bowl odds, all of that classic stuff. You can also bet on NBA or NHL futures. You can bet on the WNBA or MLB, which are both in season. You can bet on the Olympics. We still got a week left of that. You can bet on award shows, reality TV, whatever. It's free to set up an account. When you make your first deposit, you can enter promo code locked on L O C K E D O N. You get a 50% welcome bonus. That means for each hundred bucks you put in, as part of your first deposit, you get 50 slapped on top of it in free play money, courtesy of betonline.ag, just for entering the promo code locked on. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Moving on, let's talk a little bit about the football. And so yesterday I gushed quite a bit about Justin Jefferson. Um, and I guess I'll just recap the Tuesday practice the best that I can. I, I want to start with Jake Browning this time. Um, and, and I think Jake Browning had a much better day. Uh, Browning had a pretty rough day on Monday, I thought. Uh, he got some praise for some throws that were kind of highlights that got clipped, um, and I, but I thought on the whole his accuracy was spotty. I thought he did a lot better, and I think in watching him, and I was paying attention a little bit more to just the command of the offense, and he seemed really smooth and loose and relaxed. He did not seem like a quarterback that was struggling to you know recall things he had memorized or anything like that. It seemed like he had the offense down. And the other thing I noticed, and it's mostly because um, I, I saw Arif Hassan point this out, and then I started paying attention to it, and it's like, oh yeah, that's totally true, is that he w- is a very conservative quarterback, even in training camp scenarios, which you don't usually want in training camp. I mean, come on, this is the time to let it loose, throw a million interceptions, right? But at the same time, he's auditioning, and if you throw a million interceptions, might not be great for your chances at the backup job, but he's checking down a lot, he throws it away a lot, and they're all smart, you know, it's you know, bailing on pressured plays. Um, but he's not trying to really create on those pressured plays, and that's not his style. Um, so a conservative quarterback that knows the plays, that's a guy that can be a backup in the NFL, even without anything else, and he doesn't really have anything else. His accuracy still isn't great. It wasn't perfect. There were still plenty of misses, still making wide receivers really work for it, um, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was on Monday. There's one thing I noticed, and this is going to be really deep and in the weeds, um, and it comes from a coaching clinic that I watched from Andrew Janoko over the offseason on CoachTube that is a really cool thing if you have 20 bucks. Um, but he talked about the quick game, and they were actually drilling the quick game today. And these are the three-step drop plays, you know, the kind of slants and, and really quick stuff that can help, you know, alleviate pressure, can help with timing and tempo, really good in no-huddle situations. They help the offensive line. Um, and and the, the clinic was all about, you know, why to do it, how to install it, et cetera. And one thing that Andrew Janoko found really, really important in the quick game was the tempo of his quarterback's footwork. And they were drilling that today. And it was really cool to see kind of knowing, like watching Janoko himself, he's the quarterback's coach now, um, drill that and knowing exactly what he's looking for because he said it in a coach dude thing where he wants the tempo to be uh, like a, a slow step and then two fast steps. So a one, two, three, one, two, three. One, two, three. And being able to watch the quarterbacks and see who matches that the best. And of Chase, uh, or Danny Etling, Case Cookus, and uh, Jake Browning, just perfect quarterback names, really all three of them. <laughs> I thought Jake Browning did the worst job with that tempo. Um, and I thought Danny Etling looked the most comfortable with that tempo doing, you know, one, two, three, and then kind of tossing a fade up or whatever. And the wide receivers were running red zone drills as well to that. And that... Um, it, it was one little drill. I don't think it's a grand referendum on everything. It was just one factor. But I really, really found it interesting, and I wanted to pass along that context when you really know what they're drilling and what they're trying to do and kind of who did the best with that particular thing, something we don't usually get to talk about because we don't usually get that level of like access into Andrew Janoko's brain. But he 
put it out on CoachTube. And that means, you know, idiots like me with 20 bucks to blow uh, get to watch it. Um, but the better play from Jake Browning kind of came later in the day. I didn't like that from him. And then later in the day, he really acquitted himself. Um, and he was more accurate, but really he was just comfortable and safe. And I think that might be what gets him the backup job. Ultimately, he got some praise from Garrett Bradbury. And, you know, it seems like the team is relatively happy with him. And I would guess, venture a guess that this is why. Um, elsewhere, I think a lot of the same trends continue to perpetuate themselves. You know, we got like exactly two good plays from, from Patrick Jones. We got good play from KJ Osborne, you know, Justin Jefferson, Irv Smith continue to kind of dunk on everybody. Um, I mean, Irv Smith's like dunking on linebackers. I kind of want to see him drill with the wide receivers once just to see how it goes. Uh, just like out of curiosity. But it, when he's going up against like Nick Vigil and Blake Lynch, he's like dunking on those guys. Um, still no Tyler Conklin, similar, same injury news as there was last time. Christian Darrisaw, Wyatt Davis, Cole Cabral, all in baseball caps on the sideline. Mike Zimmer did say he thought he might have Wyatt Davis back today on uh, Wednesday. If he sees that, um, hoping also that he gets Christian Darrisaw back by like next week. They're both recovering from things. Um, Christian Darrisaw is still recovering from surgery. Of course, uh, Wyatt Davis he had a little ankle thing, but it doesn't seem like they're particularly worried about him being anything worse than day-to-day here early in camp. So hopefully we get these guys back uh, by the time, you know, we're actually playing meaningful or, you know, playing like the good quality reps of preseason or joint practices with the Broncos, if the Broncos even show up to the unvaccinated place. <laughs> um, but that's the injury news. There's still no Tyler Conklin, um, and I think still no, I don't think anybody else returned. D.D. Westbrook is still only limited to punt return duties. He took punt return, the, the primary punt return duties, and then basically jogged off the field. Um, but otherwise, I didn't notice anybody else taking any other injuries. If I missed anything, I'm sorry about that. Um, on the whole, they drilled a lot more special teams, and they did a lot of teams work. Um, I think they were making up for on Monday. They thought they would have a padded practice and didn't. So I think they did a lot more individual stuff Monday when they didn't have the pads. And now that there are the pads, they moved all their team. So they did a lot of team drills, a lot of situational stuff, and a lot of Jake Browning commanding the offense. Um, Etling and Cookus still didn't get any reps in the team parts of the drills. Uh, so they were you know, throwing wide receiver drills to keep Jake Browning's arm fresh. But that was really the only purpose of those two guys. I don't think they have a genuine chance to make the team. I don't think they were signed with that like pretense in mind. I was also blessed with getting a very good look at the offensive line on Tuesday. And I paid more attention to the offensive line than the defensive line. Um, so there's a lot of like, oh, we got beat by somebody, but I didn't catch who it was for me. So that's my bad. Uh, but I did get a chance to, you know, view some one-on-ones, view some stunt drills, and really kind of look at what was happening. Of course, Dakota Dozier and Ole Udo still splitting first-team reps. Um, and to my eye, Ole Udo looks like he's winning that battle, uh, or at least he's playing better. But there's still there hasn't been any change in who's getting what reps. So the scoreboard's still kind of 0-0. But to my eye, Ole Udo's playing better. I will explain all that in a little bit. But first, let's talk about the best-tasting protein bar on the planet. Built Bar comes in nine delicious flavors, including cookies and cream, chocolate, peanut butter, chocolate, raspberry, and a whole bunch. If you want to just try all nine, I recommend that. Go get the sampler. It's two of each, and you can find that at BuiltBar.com. And if you're thinking, oh, well, that's just, that just sounds like candy bars. They taste like candy bars, but they won't knock you off the wagon like candy bars will. They are low sugar, low calorie, low carb, high fiber, high protein. They're even keto friendly if you're doing the keto thing. 
So they won't knock you off that wagon. They'll just trick your body into thinking you're having a cheat day, but it's not really a cheat day. That's at BuiltBar.com. And check the Built Bar website. They have some specialty flavors there as well. And you can enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, all one word. You get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. So on Tuesday, I spent a lot of time watching the trenches, and really I was most interested in watching Oli Udo at right guard, because that's something that I didn't really see in him. He was He's like too long to be a guard, and I always think of you know these long uh, linemen as kind of tackle-only guys, and I needed to see the quickness and the quick sets and stuff. I was impressed with what I saw with Oli Udo at, at, at right guard, honestly. He struggled a lot at left tackle. He got absolutely destroyed by Daniil Hunter. Can't fault him too much for that. But he also got bowled over by Stephen Weatherly, and he struggled even against the twos um, when he had to play there on Monday when Rashad Hill was out. Well, Hill was back, so Ole Udo splitting reps with Dozier at left or at, at, at right guard, and I thought Ode Udo held up pretty well. On that note, I think Ezra Cleveland has had a decent camp so far. He's not without his losses, but he's been pretty solid. Um, he has actually gone up against Armin Watts a lot, and every time he gets Armin Watts, he seems to get the better of him. Armin Watts has done a pretty good job and, and has had like a lot of good moments as the first team nose tackle that he's taking reps from uh, Michael Pierce, who's still nursing that calf injury, until he ends up having to rush against that left guard spot, and Ezra Cleveland has put him on the ground a couple of times. Um, but what I really, really liked about the uh, the Ole Udo Brian O'Neill pairing was how they handled stunts and Phil Rauscher liked it too you know because he yelled it all the time and he will say good job Oli <laughs> and very loudly we can all hear it um but he he did really well they did a, a stunts drill so it was like one-on-ones but they it was two on twos and they basically had the defensive linemen stunt sometimes but not all the time to keep everybody on your toes and you got to figure out how to kind of handle those stunts on the fly um and and Oli Udo was rarely caught out of position and then, and he took the first team rep. So he took the, the reps in that drill next to Brian O'Neill. And then uh, Dakota Dozier took the second team reps next to, I believe, Evan Kazarzik was the one over there at right tackle. It might have been Blake. No, Blake Brandle did left tackle stuff, I think, in those. Either way, he was next to a tackle. And uh, at that point, he was getting absolutely demolished by everyone. Uh, a lot of Hercules Mata'afa demolishing um, Dakota Dozier in those drills. I, I think James Lynch got one on him. Um, a couple other people I didn't catch. This is my problem. Um, but he seemed really out of place all the time and his ability to pick up stunts. It just seems like a skill he never learned and it doesn't seem like he's going to pick it up anytime soon. And, and to me, that's a big moment. Even though it was just in a drill, you have the guy playing with the ones doing better than the guy playing with the twos. Seems like a moment where you can kind of distance yourself. Um, and usually, as I have observed these position battles... Um, the actual change in who gets what reps or the kind of tweaks to the depth chart don't happen like day to day between days, unless there's something really obvious or like, of course, an injury or something. They usually happen between like kind of moments. And those moments can be something like the U.S. Bank Stadium practice, which is happening on Saturday the 7th. Um, you know, after that or after a day off or something where the coaches really get a chance to go back, look at tape, really make the decision informed and stuff like that, or after a preseason game or something. So I could still see Udo and Dozier splitting reps for a long time even if Udo outplays Dozier by a lot just because the coaches don't really have time to go back and like examine that tape because they got practice every day uh but once they kind of get you know the next time there's a day off I could see Oli Udo just having those first team reps and just having the job until Wyatt Davis comes back maybe Wyatt Davis can take him but it seems right now like Oli Udo is a better 
right guard than Dakota Dodger. Elsewhere on the offensive line, um, I didn't get a great look at anybody. Of course, Ezra Cleveland popped out to me a couple of times. Brian O'Neill pops off the tape. Um, he really, especially when he kicks out, but he's uh, knocked a few people down pretty well. Uh, there have been there was a, a, a couple of really good reps from uh, Blake Brandle. He actually had a really nice day on Tuesday. Um, oh, there's one rep I should probably tell you about going back to Oli Udo, where he uh, blocking sled shopping carted Chaz Surratt like 20 yards down the field. <laughs> that has to stop happening to him. Um, but hey, good on Oli Udo, right? And uh, it shouldn't surprise you to learn that Drew Samia had a couple of embarrassing reps as well. I actually do think I didn't notice a lot of the defensive linemen, but I did notice James Lynch had a decent day. He got a couple of wins. Um, of course, Daniel Hunter's Daniel Hunter. Stephen Weatherly was, I don't know, whatever. Somebody asked a mailbag question that I meant to answer, and I forgot to answer, and I'm sorry, and I don't know who your name was, so I'm sorry, but I do want to address it. Dalvin Tomlinson. Somebody said, has Dalvin Tomlinson done anything yet? And uh, so here's the deal. It's really difficult to evaluate a nose tackle before there's pads. So I, you probably haven't heard anything. And nose tackles don't exactly do noticeable things on the field a lot. However, I do think Dalvin Tomlinson kind of lived in the backfield on run plays. Uh, apparently, he didn't uh, really have much on pressures. I watched the wide receiver most of the time on passing plays. I've been watching the receivers and like KJ Osborne and Irv Smith and stuff a lot. Um, so I haven't really noticed as much of the pass rush. But when it's a running play... Uh, my eyes kind of focus into uh, onto what the running back does, and it seems like every time he goes at Dalvin Tomlinson's gap, he either has to bounce it back outside or bend it back inside, and it seems like Tomlinson's winning a lot of those reps. But again, he's there's only been one day of pads with this, so a huge grain of salt, and there's not a lot that you can evaluate a nose tackle on before there's pads on, which is probably why you haven't heard anything about him. On Tuesday, the Vikings did a ton of special teams work, including a few more like full-on reps. They did a uh, uh, like a situational drill where the offense tried to drive down the field. There was a 52-yard game-winning setup, and Greg Joseph nailed it. Greg Joseph ended up going, I think, six for seven on the day. He missed one from 47 yards, and they were like full field goal reps, which is nice. They did a lot of full punting reps, so you got to see the punt gunning. Um, I think notably, so Dan Chisena is the worst wide receiver out there. That shouldn't uh, really surprise you. And the next worst is actually Chad Beebe, which might surprise you considering that there's still like undrafted rookies and stuff out there. But I think Chad Beebe has been kind of the easiest guy for the cornerbacks to cover. He seems like the guy that makes the cornerback work, work the least hard next to Dan Chisena. But Dan Chisena as a punt gunner, um, I can kind of see maybe what happened last training camp because he looked really, really good as a punt gunner, though now that you have guys like KJ Osborne and Chris Boyd is also a pretty good punt gunner. Um, and Amir Abdullah is a very sound punt gunner. And the problems that Chisena had in games, a lot of them happened at the tackle point. And you don't do that in drills and special teams. You're not lighting each other up in, uh, you know, special teams training camp practice drills. So the part that he was the worst at is the part that wouldn't show itself in training camp. And I think that might be the mistake Marwan Malouf made. Uh, so I kind of hope they don't repeat that mistake. But as, yeah, as a wide receiver, he's been terrible. Um, in terms of, of kickoff drills and punt return drills and stuff, it's all the same usual suspects. You know, Didi Westbrook doing a lot of that work. Um, Kanae Nwangwu doing the punt return, or the, the, the kick return work. I don't think he did punt return work. Amir Smith-Marset's doing both. KJ Osborne's doing both. Amir Abdullah's doing both. Um, and so, you, you know, you, that, that competition rages on, I suppose. So uh, that's the broad strokes of Tuesday at camp, and we're just going to keep doing this for the next two weeks. I'm super excited to keep this thing going. And uh, keep keep you guys all 
informed, I guess, on the, the finer details of training camp. You know, everybody else will be talking a lot about the vaccine stuff, about Jeff Gladney and more power to them, and you can get all that information there. But you, if you want the granular takes on what's going on in training camp, come here. Find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. Find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings, where I'm posting video recaps as well. And I also want to shout out the Locked On Bets podcast. If you did sign up for Bet Online, you want to get a gramble and you want some good advice, let Lee Sterling, who's a handicapping expert, and your boy Q guide you through the complicated world of Grambling. I hope you guys check that out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. I will see you all tomorrow, and as always, skull.